party people. Hello. Wow. The ghouls bring the party. Everybody be bringing the party. Well, I'm still feeling the party from last night's green room. Oh, what a good one. My dad called me this morning and was like, your mom didn't sleep at all. And they're like <laughs> staying in hotels. And he's like, she squished against me and then I didn't sleep because she was scared. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Nick's mom texted me and was like, Fran and I were listening as we were driving up a really windy, dark isolated road in the middle of the night it was oh my spooky gosh. wait okay i actually saw that she was i saw that that wendy was in the chat and i screenshotted it so let me send oh it she to was you. in the chat well i mean i could see i could see that she was present i love it not necessarily chatting but i just sent you the screenshot so that you can have it for for memories oh, thank you thank you you're welcome this is two girls one ghost two girls one ghost and we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. Hello. And I am Sabrina. And before we get into this episode, which is sure to send shivers down your spine, I, Sabrina, Paige, Deanna Roga, Zuli, need to make a formal apology because I feel like, from you know, hearing back from all of you and getting feedback from our listeners, I realized that I did not do the story of Nam Madal justice. And that I'm sorry, I never wanted to discredit or invalidate the ancient civilizations. And I think I got carried away with the idea of giants and magic and didn't spend enough time talking about how ancient civilizations had advanced technologies and we are not the smartest people on the earth and our civilization doesn't know everything. And just because we can't figure out how something was made does not mean we should jump to magic or conclusions because I believe, and I hope everyone else does too, that these ancient civilizations and indigenous peoples had a level of sophistication that we do not understand. And I don't want to perpetuate the idea that our society knows everything. So I am sorry. And I hope people can forgive me and realize that I'm learning with all of you. And I, uh, I hope to grow from this moment. I think that's part of our part of our podcast too, right? Like I think we've made we've stumbled a lot and made a lot of yeah. mistakes and and said things incorrectly and I think it's nice to have such a supportive community that gives us like the constructive feedback where it's not necessarily an attack but like helps us to actually grow and and mold our future conversation. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's super helpful. And and too it's it's a difficult thing too when when it is easy for you and I to get swept up in all this Yeah, stuff, we love right? the magic and and I think we forget sometimes that you know, the internet is full of a lot of things and that doesn't necessarily mean that everything's accurate and correct and yeah, so I apologize and I am grateful. Well, I should apologize too because I was the listener and I was like, whoa, I don't know how they could have gotten yeah. food. Where it's like, okay, everybody has boats. Like you can right. just like boat yourself to, to the other shores or – Yeah, and even if we don't know distances. how to – yeah, and, and also, truthfully, like I am – I think it's amazing and incredible that there are these technologies that we don't understand that makes it even more impressive and special as a, an island, as a place in the world because – it proves these technological advancements that we don't have right. today, which I think is incredible. And I wish we could go back in time and learn from them. I know. Well, maybe one day we will. It's also, I mean, like we're located in America. So we get a lot of our information fed through an American lens and through a yeah. European lens. And a, a lot of the things that happened in Europe or in America aren't applicable to a lot of other yeah. civilizations. So. Yeah, yes. I think I think now we know. The more we know, the more we know. I do have a ghost story. Well, actually, Good. two ghost stories that I would like I to share. I need to hear them. Okay, so this is from Susan, 
And she's super sweet. She lives in Boston as well. And her and I chatted earlier today. I'd been hearing for a long time that she had some ghost stories. I just never had an opportunity to like connect with her and chat about them. And I hope I'm doing them justice. Oh my gosh. I was like, holy shit. Okay. Well, so the first one is Well, first her- set the scene. How were you able to finally connect about ghost stories? So yes, great question, Sabrina. <laughs> Thank so her you. and I, since since we are living in the world of a pandemic, don't necessarily see each other in person all too often. And I was like, you know what? I need this story and I need this now because we're recording tonight and I, I want to share you the <laughs> stories. So we set up a Zoom call and she was literally like sitting at her place of work in the stairwell, like telling me the ghost stories and people were walking by. And That's she'd, like, amazing. Pause and be quiet and be like, hi. And then like wait for them to leave. <laughs> it was so funny. Okay. But the first one is, so she, she lives in Boston and she lives in a one of the like many churches in in the Boston area that have been turned into apartment buildings and condos. Oh, so that's cool. Very spooky, very cool. And she was telling me that she found it through a realtor because she had asked the realtor when she was moving here to basically find find unique properties. She was like, I like spaces that, you know, aren't necessarily the traditional spaces people look for. Like I'm into loft buildings. I'm into, you know, things that were not once apartment buildings, stuff like that. So her and her husband get get set up with their cats into this this building that is right next to a cemetery and was built in the 1800s and has like a ton of history and is 1000% haunted. She said that they hear noises a lot at night and she hasn't talked to any of her neighbors about it, but she's like, they have got to hear the same things that we do. And it's not just like old creaking or anything. Like it's it's like paranormal activity. She was telling me one example was that her and her husband during a, a weeknight, it was like October or something. She was like, I was already kind of like spooked. It was spooky season. And they were watching TV after work and it was like 8 or 9 p.m. And they heard down the hallway, there's this big, long corridor that, like, leads to the elevators to the other units. Mm-hmm. And down the corridor, she heard, like, like, it sounded like a little kid, like a toddler oh. running, like, and so her cats immediately, and both of one of them is kind of a scaredy cat, and the other one's pretty brave. But she said both of them were like, <gasps> and like ran and hid under the bed. Oh my and husband are like, oh my gosh, what? What are they reacting to? So they walk to their front door and they open the door, and she looks down the hallway one way, down the hallway the other way, no one. And so she listens for like the door to open mm-hmm. or like the the elevator to chime, and she didn't hear it. So she was like, hmm, I must have just missed them. They must have, you know, oh my, I, my timing was just off. So then her and her husband go and they they sit back down on the couch to continue watching TV. And then 15 minutes later, and she Ah! said she got up and she sprinted to the front door because she was like, she was like, at the time, I wasn't thinking paranormal activity. I was thinking like some kid is running in the hallway and I'm this cranky old lady. I'm going to catch him. 8, 9 p.m. Like, behave, child. (laughs) And so she said she like sprinted to the door and opened it like just basically as the noise passed. And there was absolutely no one. And she said she was so freaked out like at least it's not in her apartment unless the second story is right no she said she's gone up to the she's gone up there's multiple levels to this building too and she said she's gone up to the second story before um just like poke around a little bit Uh but hadn't had any like paranormal experiences live while she was in that building okay that's good i well okay it's definitely spooky it doesn't seem like it's bad if anything it's just like a fun, like maybe residual or also just benign child haunting. So that's assuring. Yeah. But 
I want to see photos of this apartment. It sounds so cool. Okay, I'll send it to you. I won't say it here because I don't want yeah, people yeah. to like know exactly where she lives. No, but um, I won't. I won't if spread she ever that moves, everywhere. I'll, I'll tell people. But okay. But yeah, no, I'll send you the listings, okay, Sabrina. There's actually a few churches that have been changed That's into condos so and stuff, cool. which is really cool. There's a few in South Boston because I was looking at one to potentially move into one time, but it was out of my price range. Oh, but the other story she told me, and this was like, this just reminded me so much of the campfire stories that we had last night where people were ta- talking about like dreams uh-huh. uh, and visitations that they had from from relatives and loved ones. But her father-in-law passed away. He lived in the Nashville. He lived in Nashville with, with his wife, who's still alive today. But he passed away a few years ago, and it happened very quickly. He mm. was sick. He had cancer and he passed within six months. And so it was really sudden and it was really hard and no one was prepared for it. And he, she just describes him and and his wife, his her mother-in-law is like the most amazing people that just upon first meeting them when she and her husband first started dating, they were like, we love you. Like you're already our family. Like they were just like the nicest, warmest, most welcoming people ever. And so she's very close with them and loves them very much. And so when he passed, obviously it was it was difficult f- right. for everyone, but they weren't they weren't like living right there at the time in Nashville. But what she was telling me was that her mother-in-law, like this this man's wife, after he had passed away, she would hear his voice a lot. She would hear him speaking like in the oh. house. And so she knew he was he was near. And that those experiences kind of started to dwindle. And I don't know exactly because she didn't know exactly what what was being said when when um her mother-in-law was hearing him speak. Mm-hmm. But she said that not too long ago they were in the house, which has since been sold, so they can't go back to the house anymore. Okay. But they were in the house and her husband, Susan's husband, was holding their niece, who's like two and a half years old. And, like, had her up and was just kind of, like, playing with her, tossing her. And they were at the bottom of the stairwell. Mm-hmm. And she turns, the the niece turns, and starts calling up, like, saying his name. I forget exactly if it was, like, Baba or, or like, oh. some some word. And was waving, like, hi, oh. And was oh, waving so to the sweet. top of the stairs. And what what was so special about that, too, not only was she, like, seeing him, but that was – his spot like he was a very goofy silly guy and he would often go to the top of the stairs and like yell nonsense or like kind of like announce that he's here before descending the stairs and that was like always his spot that he wow. like said something or was goofy before coming down to join the family and it's exactly where this niece who who <gasps> didn't know oh, him really i mean him? she's two and a half years old saw him and was waving wow wow isn't that that's so special, so special. And then this is, doesn't necessarily mean that his his spirit is there right now. But she was saying one of the things that's like kind of sad is that the dog used to always lay at the the bottom of like the chair when he was in the chair, and that the dog still does it. So I don't know if it's like just you know this like sad thing where it's just like habit and waiting for him to return, Aww. or if maybe he's sitting or if he's in the there. chair. Yeah, yeah. But you said they do, they don't have that house anymore. No, no. And the mother in law she sold the house. Because it was oh. a little too big and there's a lot of, you know, sadness. I am curious curious if the new family has had experiences with his spirit or if he's followed the family and now I it's just like kind he, of – I feel like based on how he was there and how he was like, you know, saying things yeah. to let his wife know that he was like still there. I think that – I feel like he's probably moved on and is just yeah. like fo- 
following the family now or or visiting when he needs to yeah. give a sign. But she was telling me that when when her husband like put down the toddler, their niece after the, mm-hmm. the niece was like, "Hi, Baba," that he turned like <laughs> he turned to Susan and Susan was like, "What's happening?" And he was like, ah, ah, and like looked so scared. <laughs> and then he looked back up to the the landing uh-huh. at the top of the stairs and goes, "Dad, if that's you, please don't haunt us." <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, you can be haunted without getting scared. I guess, maybe. Yeah. You know what this reminds me of? Or it just makes me question, I think, because I've been watching it. It's making me question the spiritual world again. But I started watching Ghosts, and I'm pretty sure you've brought it up before. And I had never seen it. And I just finished all three seasons. Which one are you – are you watching the British one or the – Yeah, the British one. Oh, you finished it? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to admit, I only got two episodes in. What? I sometimes have a hard time getting into British humor. I'm like oh my god! All I for love the procedurals it. and like true crime British procedurals, but yeah. Oh, for some I love reason, it. The British humor doesn't doesn't capture. Interesting. Me. Okay, well, like, I love it. It's I am so sad that I have I don't have any more episodes to watch, but it just is really interesting because all the spirits in that show are stuck in the house or on the property there yeah. because that's where they died, and it just you know it makes me ask so many questions about the paranormal and like what the rules are and if there are rules or if there's certain ghosts that don't fall like don't have to follow the rules or if like you can level up and move past a place and or well, what how does i like it work? about ghosts given my the two episodes that i watched <laughs> what i liked is the one woman th- i like that they combined both an active haunting with a residual haunting there's one specific yes. woman who's like an active participant amongst the ghosts but something takes her over and at the same time every morning she has to throw herself out the window and yeah. she has no control over it it's just like yeah. The stain on the energy that just has to repeat day, yeah, time and time again, yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe residual hauntings can also be done by by, by active, active ghosts. ghosts. Yeah, we, we don't, don't have know to anything. Think of them so separately. Yeah, you know, it did. If I've learned anything in the past two weeks, <laughs> it is that I know very little, and I think I've already known that. And I there's so much to learn, and there's so much to. It's okay. There is so much to learn. Find. And it's hard. It's hard too, you know, like talking about the paranormal, there's rarely answers. Yeah. And especially when we dabble into like myths and local lore and legend, it's hard to – it's easy to say like, oh, the the locals believe this because we get what was provided on the internet. Right. But it's another thing to actually be a local and get like the true story and, and right. know exactly kind of like what the lore is. Yeah. And lore is lore, you know, like some people might, might believe it and some people don't. It's some like, people don't. I believe in Champ and like Champlain, but a whole lot of other Vermonters say, no, Corinne, there's not a giant sea monster living in our lake. And I say, I think I saw it one time. And so I believe myself. One day, Corinne, you will live out in the woods and you will find and collect all the cryptids and creatures and it will be great. And I will ride Tramp. Tr- tramp. <laughs> ride Tramp. I will, I will ride Champ to and from. Wow. Okay. If there's any artists out there, I please draw a picture of Corinne riding Champ. Because yeah, I need be, that for my personal collection. <laughs> if Handmaid's Tale ever becomes a real thing, I'm just going to ride Champ to Canada. <laughs> That's going to be my escape. <laughs> wow. Um, I hope that day never comes. Uh, me too. Okay. We are doing Haunted Roads. Haunted Roads. I love this topic because we all are on roads, you know? It scares it's, me, Corinne. It's a communal 
haunting here. You love this topic and you brought it up and suggested we do it again. And I, my gut reaction was, I don't want to do this because I'm already scared of dying on a road. And I, and I think it, this might be the third time we're doing roads. Yes. Because I keep putting it you back love on it. List. You love it. It's just scary to think. I mean, okay, granted, there are some famously haunted roads out in the world that mm-hmm. everyone knows about, but there's also roads, like any road you drive on could be haunted and you just don't know. Right. There's so many little stretches too, like a whole long road and then there's yeah. like a mile period where people experience, experience so things. much. Like imagine taking one wrong turn and getting stuck on a road that you somehow can't find a way out of or you get stuck in like a time glitch and you get warped and or an alien shows up because that mm-hmm. road is famously frequented by aliens. I just – I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And I think another thing that's so freaky about so much of this is that some of these roads are really busy. Like it's not this backwoods dirt path that you have to like really have horrible luck or actively go seek. A lot of these are like highways. I mean, you did, didn't you do like Highway 66 or whatever? Yeah, Route 666. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, so many of these are like easily traveled and and you'll likely find yourself on one of these roads one day. Okay. Mine though is is a back road. I mean – Oh, hell yeah. Okay. I'm glad because I did a busy road. So, this will be good for us to – I prefer a busy road though because then at least like you're not always alone on that road and there's safety in numbers. Whereas back roads, you're often alone and there – you never know what can happen. So, I went back to my hometown, Jersey – And growing up, there was this road that I'd always heard about, but I had never been to. And I kind of just like heard myths about it, but you didn't really know a ton about it. So I wanted to learn more about it. And also it's just so I can know to stay away from it, basically. (laughs) It is called Clinton Road in New Jersey. Wait, I recognize the name of this. I'm sure it's come up when you do like haunted roads because it's one of the most haunted road in in the country. Yeah. Okay, so it's called Clinton Road. It's a 9.3-mile stretch of road and has a plethora of hauntings from haunted bridges to strange creatures to a ghost truck to a haunted castle. There have been murders. There's also been suspected rituals being performed in the area. It truly has it all. It actually reminds me of – remember we did the 11-mile road game in one of like the Paranormal Games episodes? Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that because it's like – Along this 9.3 mile road, there's so many different stops. Like it's not all happening in one spot. It's like all along this nine mile stretch of road, there are hauntings. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a lot. <laughs> like it does make me wonder if this road inspired the paranormal game because yeah. it's just – You know what this is making me think of is the book Hunger Games. You know how the whole <laughs> – well, it's like far into the book series. So if I'm spoiling anything for anyone, sorry, the book's been out for years. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when they have when they all have the reunion and they're trying to make it through and it's like all the winners of the previous rounds and then they realize that it's like a clock. Like there's mm-hmm. the sections are divided and it's like you might escape this section of the clock, but then when when it strikes one o'clock, like the something next happens battle, in the next section. Yeah. Yes. And this is what it's reminding me of. Like y- yeah. you might escape that first mile, but then you've got nine 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 more more. miles of battles to go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Mark Moran, who's the publisher and co-creator of Weird New Jersey, which anyone who's interested in the paranormal has probably stumbled upon this website before. But Mark Moran has been quoted saying that Clinton Road is like a dark highway into people's innermost fears. So let's dive into our fears, shall we? (laughs) Great. 
Okay, so Clinton Road winds its way north through trees, passing the picturesque Clinton Reservoir, a couple of bridges, and then a few houses that are like way off the road, all the way up to Upper Greenwood Lake. It's approximately 9.3 miles long, and it begins at New Jersey Route 23 in West Milford Township, New Jersey, which is northern Jersey. It was named after the now-vanished settlement that was once Clinton. And I originally, as I was, like, doing it, I was trying to map it out on the road, like, starting at mile, like, 0.01 and then all mm-hmm. the way to 9.3. But a lot of these places are not on the map, so I didn't really uh, – wasn't able to. But if anyone's been, you can you can uh, imagine the journey with me. Okay, so if you're traveling towards Clinton Road from Route 23 – You'll have to wait at the longest light in America. Truly. If you look up, if you Google longest light in America, it is this light. It is the light turning onto Clinton Road. Because and they want to give you extra time to to bail out. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, this must because it's trying to prevent people from turning down the road. But I just thought it was a funny fact. And I looked up how long the light is, and it's a combined wait time of about five minutes and 30 seconds. No. Mm-hmm. Immediately no. Because it's like a multiple tra- traffic light. So there there are two red lights that you have to go through, basically. and they You each want me are- to sit there for five minutes? <laughs> Contemplate your decisions. That's like two songs. <laughs> Too long. Okay. So the first more commonly known spot along Clinton Road is about 3.4 miles into the drive, and it is called the Clinton Furnace. It is just off the road on the edge of the Clinton Reservoir, and you could truly just drive right past it if you didn't know it was there because it's hidden off the side of the road, kind of like the woods have grown over it. In addition to looking very out of place, the stone structure has quite a bit of local lore surrounding it. People say it's a Druid temple and that it has been used for rituals and sacrifices and is a space that many spirits have been called upon and now is a hotbed for activity. But in reality, it is a 200-year-old historic site. It is the only thing that remains of the 19th century iron-making community that was once established in 1826 in Clinton. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. And the furnace at one point supplied iron for the entire region until 1837. And then basically it shut down. A lot of the buildings were demolished. And sometime in history, it evolved from this like really cool historic building into some dark lore. No one really knows how or why, but probably from local teenagers who used to go meet up in the woods and, you know, come up with like, these rumors or right. people have also driven past that stretch of road and like seen groups with flashlights and candles and it gives off this ominous look, especially like I'm speaking so fast because I'm so into the story. You know, like when you drive past something and you see something in the woods that's super, I mean, well, not that this happens to me ever, but (laughs) imagine driving past a stretch of woods and seeing like a group of of people in the woods with lights and candles. Like you would for sure be freaked out and jump to darker conclusions. Yeah, of course. So somehow this legend became known, but... Teenagers then started taking advantage of this and they were like, oh, this is the perfect place to meet up and like drink and stuff. So the structure itself started becoming deteriorated and the government actually jumped in and was like, we're going to try and preserve this. So now today you can't really get access to the building. It's fenced off in the hopes of preserving this piece of history. Mm. But teenagers will be teenagers. And so people still do go out to the woods and try to access it. Anyway, that's stop number one. So far, so good. Doesn't seem terrifying. It's more like lore and local legend. Mm-hmm. Nothing really to be scared of, right? But <laughs> this feeling will not last long. 
And you don't have to go much further on Clinton Road to experience the next haunted stop. So up next are two spots that are side by side. There is a Ghost Boy Bridge and Dead Man's Curve, both very aptly named. If you can guess, Ghost Boy Bridge is named that because there is the ghost of a young boy. And as the story goes, there is a ghost of a young boy who died very young who hangs out at this bridge. It is said that if you throw a coin into the water beneath the bridge, that all of a sudden the coin will be thrown back to you from the boy who's beneath the bridge. Oh! There's also been versions of the story where you throw the coin and the next day when you go back to that location, your coin that you threw will be back on the side of the road. So you'd really have to make sure you take photos or know it's your quarter or your coin, whatever it is. Right. Also, I mean, what a guy. Just returning everybody's money. That's not what I would do. I would hoard that shit. Apparently, if you do peer over – so there's two bridges on the road. And so no one really knows which one is the famous bridge or which one the boy haunts. Maybe he haunts both. I don't know. But if you look over the edge of the bridges, you'll see a bunch of coins in the water below. So he does keep some. Oh, he does keep some. You know what yeah. this is reminding me of? Not to not to debunk it because I'm not trying to debunk it, but I've, I've watched so many videos recently of people putting out little like gifts and trinkets for like to offer the crows and the ravens in the neighborhood. And then the, the crows will like bring stuff back. What? You know, like give you little gifts. And so I just like to picture that it's just like a colony of crows that are just continuing Collecting to exchange. Money. Like you give me money, I give you money. Wait. <laughs> give me cookie, give you cookie. This is a real thing that happens? Yes. Yes. Because they're, oh my gosh. So, intel- they're so intelligent and they, they basically like want to reciprocate. So if you feed ravens, they will likely start bringing you little treasures that they find throughout the neighborhood. Oh my gosh. So you must befriend them. That I, Ravens and the crows. I'm going to be the raven girl. Oh, there's a girl on TikTok that is, and she has this like raven that flies on, onto her shoulder. She looks so cool. I also want to be a raven girl. Okay. You, yeah. This well, is our future. You're going to be riding champ while ravens are riding you. And then and then you'll beam me up in your spaceship. <laughs> and we'll ride off. Fly off together. To Mars. To the other colony. To the other colony. Okay. So Ghost Boy Bridge. So basically no one really knows the origin of the Ghost Boy. There are a variety of stories. There's one story that there was a young boy who drowned in the water, or there's another story of a young boy who was hit by a car and killed on the bridge after bending down to pick up a coin. But there's a lot of stories and like there's no record of any of these happening on the road. So who knows if it's real or what, but there have been a lot of people who have tested and tried this lore and they have thrown coins over the bridge. And obviously there's no – with the paranormal, there has not been any video evidence proving it, but there are so many people who have stories of experiencing it. And there's also a story of a guy who was pushed into the water by an unseen force. Ooh. And it sounds ominous, but if you believe the version where the boy had been killed by a car when he was, like, trying to pick something up off the side Mm. of the road, then – In this story, they believe that the little boy was acting as, you know, trying to save the guy, trying to push him out of the way in a way that he was not – like no one was able to do for him. Oh, oh, that's sad. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Okay, and then right next to Ghost Boy Bridge is Dead Man's Curve. Also saying these names out loud kind of make me think of like an amusement park. Dead Man's Curve. It does sound like – Right? A ride. Like you're going to a bunch of different rides. There's a Dead Man's Curve in New Hampshire that was like right below Old Man of the Mountain, which if you have a New Hampshire quarter, that's the like rock face in it, which is since fallen. 
But it was such a dangerous curve right around that. And my uncle actually went off of it one time. And his, oh my gosh. He, like, fell asleep at the wheel or something. <gasps> and his back two tires on this car got caught in the grate. And he like had to climb up and out of his car. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So de- dead man's curve. Those things are horrifying. Mm-hmm. Whoa. This one at least is like you're kind of on level ground. So you wouldn't oh, be okay. like going off a cliff. <laughs> My gosh, that's so horrifying. Well, he's alive, so we can. Yeah, I know, but wow, what a story of survival. Those hooligan rural New Hampshire guys, you know? Oh, gosh. I'm glad he's okay. <laughs> okay, so this dead man's curve is just a very dangerous stretch of row that veers at almost a right angle. So it really, you can't, it's a blind corner. You can't see yeah. anyone coming. And if you're not paying attention, you'll drive off the road. And it has been the location of many traffic accidents. I couldn't find any actual records of traffic deaths in this spot, but there were a few postings of people like on the internet where they were like saying memorials of people who had passed on that road. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't find like the exact news articles, but I found people saying that like their friends had died in accidents on that road. So I'm not 100% sure, but it is a really dangerous turn. If you look it up on Google Maps, like you can see it's pretty sharp. I'm going to. It's also a very common spot for the devil's truck to appear. Ooh. So according to the lore of Clinton Road, if you're driving along it at night, you're often alone because it's a really desolate road. And whilst driving, you'll make note of the empty road behind you. But then all of a sudden, as if out of nowhere, a black truck will appear behind you and will pick up speed and ride your tail very threateningly close. And... This was like what was so exciting about this story of the Clinton Road. Not only did I hear about it growing up, but when I searched it in our inbox, there were so many listeners who had had experiences on this road. So one of our listeners, Monica, sent in an email where she shared an experience with the Devil's Black Truck. Monica wrote that the drive was pretty because it was fall and the road goes through thick forest. But the whole time I was white knuckling the steering wheel as I was telling my friend what I remembered of the legends. When we passed Dead Man's Curve, I checked my rearview mirror and saw a big black truck tailgating me. I can't remember seeing a license plate because it was so close. I remember watching the truck in my mirrors as much as I could while still paying attention to the bends of the road. Then, once we saw a row of houses signaling the end of the road, the truck was gone. I didn't see it in any driveway. I didn't see the truck bed going in any turns. It was just gone. Spooky. She said, The reason I don't know if this was 100% an authentic Clinton Road experience is as follows. The black truck is the easiest, most well-known legend to replicate, and it was October, peak spooky season, and there were a lot more side roads turn off than I expected, and people from New Jersey would, without a doubt, chase a car down a known haunted road in a big black truck. But it was still nerve-wracking, and I have no idea how or where it went. It just disappeared. So this is a very common experience that people have on Clinton Road. People will be driving and all of a sudden they will see headlights in their rear view mirror behind them and the car will get extremely close to them to the point where like they can't see anyone in the driver's seat. They can't read a license plate. And as quickly as it appears, it disappears. This reminds me of it was in, in Highway 666. Six, 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 yeah. Route 666. The didn't you say a very similar thing happened with a Probably. truck that would like basically veer people off the road? Or maybe yeah. I did in my story. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's just so scary. It also reminds me of um, there's another place in New Jersey that I think we read a listener email about. Uh, there's like a tree that if you go and touch it, like a black truck will appear and follow you. Oh. I can't remember what it was called. Yes. But it's a very interesting. Right. It's but, Why is it never like a Subaru? Like why isn't, why isn't it ever, ever like a. 
Whoa, I just stuttered. <laughs> but like a green Subaru, you know, something that's kinder and not less intimidating than a than a large ass truck. Well, because they're trying to be intimidating, whatever yeah. it is. Okay, fine. But as Monica said, it is actually has become common for people with black trucks to mimic the haunting and dangerously speed or tailgate cars along Clinton Road. But when I was reading about that, I was like, oh my gosh, okay. A movie came into my head. Picture this. A group of teens decide to buy a black truck merely for the purpose of scaring and mimicking this haunting on Clinton Road until one night as they're waiting to scare some poor souls, they hear a noise in the woods. And then they see a black truck tailgating them and then the story does not end well for these teens. Sabrina, you should write this. I love it. I <laughs> wasn't ready for you to stop. I was, I was ready to sit here for 90 minutes and listen to the movie. My research is seven pages long, so I couldn't write the whole movie <laughs> for you. I'm so sorry. Okay, but so back to the real Clinton Road, not my movie anymore. Some people don't even see a car behind them, but they'll just see the bright lights in their rearview mirror and it's like not attached to a car like they can see the lights and then nothing underneath it or behind it which is kind of scary yeah just it's, it's basically a ghost like car. phantom lights yes yeah and the only way to get rid of the aggressive driver is to get to the end of the road or hope that another car joins you on the road because apparently the black truck only tailgates you if you're completely alone on the road okay and another haunting along the road is related to the now remnants of a castle that was once built on the land. Mm -hmm. And though there is very little left of the castle today, it is hard to miss. Okay, so it's called Cross Castle, which is how it's known locally, but the owner who built it called it Barefort House by Cross. And it was built in 1905 by a man named Richard Cross. And Richard wanted to build a castle for his wife and kids that overlooked this beautiful landscape. It was meant to be serene and a place for his family to grow, it was this like beautiful three-story castle built out of stone, but sadly and tragically, Richard Cross died just two years after completing the castle, and his family sold the estate to the city of Newark. And then the city came in, basically tore apart the castle, took everything that was worth money, and then just like left an empty shell of uh, what was and had been a beautiful castle behind. Yeah. And because they like didn't protect it or do anything, of course, it became a hotbed for some teenagers and parties and people partaking in the devil's tango or <laughs> people also maybe possibly trying to summon the devil and also horribly apparently rumored to be a meeting place of the kkk oh great yes there are stories of local teens partying at the castle but there are also like a lot of them would who who would like have weird unsettling feelings and everyone knew to follow the buddy system while they were traveling to from and being at the castle like no one ever could be there alone and while it was a place of fun for some others believe it became a place of pure evil uh whenever people experience strange happenings along the road they're quick to blame people who had previously performed rituals or sacrifices back in the day so like Basically, based on all the legends that exist on Clinton Road, people think that a group of people maybe performed rituals or sacrifices and opened mm. a portal of some kind along the road on the grounds of what used to be Cross Castle. And truly, it got so bad at Cross Castle, like of people like breaking in and loitering and doing who knows what there, that the community was like, we need to get rid of this building. So in July of 1988, they burnt the castle to the ground. And today there are only a few stone structures that remain. It's truly like a piece of a stone wall here or there. So it really has no roof or structure anymore. Yeah. But there is a legend that every October 30th, the castle rebuilds itself. 
<gasps> and if you drive past I it, love this. you'll look and see the full castle. But if you do like a double take, it will be gone. So it's like it the there's a residual haunting of the castle. This is so cool. Yeah. This is so cool. I know. We have to go. <laughs> I don't know if I want to. What? I mean, it just sounds like there's bad energy. I don't know. Well, I'll well, tell you more right now. For the castle. Yeah, but you have to go all the way to the end of the road to get to that. Uh, we'll, tr- we'll take the back way. We'll, we'll helicopter that's true in. We could. <laughs> helicopter in. We'll take Champ in. <laughs> in addition to all these specific locations and hauntings, the entire road seems to be haunted. Apparently, no matter where you are on the 10-mile stretch, people have reported the feeling of an eerie sensation and of being watched by something in the woods. People have seen strange lights that just shine on their cars from the woods. They've heard disembodied and childlike laughter coming from the woods. Just basically all around bad vibes. And apparently the vibes date back, the vibes, the spooky energy and vibes, (laughs) date all the way back to the earliest record of them were written down in 1905 by J. Percy Crayon, who wrote that the woods just beyond Clinton Furnace was not advisable to pass through after dark. He wrote that the woods were infested with robbers, witches, and ghosts. There is also a legend of two ghost rangers who patrol the forest, and according to local lore, two patrolmen were killed on duty somewhere in the 1930s, and that they continue to patrol the road and the woods in the afterlife. There are stories of people like driving along the road and being pulled over by these patrolmen and being spoken to. And there's one story specifically where these kids were driving, they get pulled over and stopped by the patrolmen. They talk, they exchange words with the patrolmen and keep driving. And as they get to the end of the road, they're pulled over again by different patrolmen. And they were like, we just talked to your coworkers, like basically like, hey, we just talked to like the other policemen. And the police were like, yeah, I guess. And the police that pulled them over the second time were like, what other policemen? Like we're the only ones here. There's no one else on duty. And so, again, with a lot of stories about Clinton Road, there was no evidence or record of these deaths online that I could find. Mm -hmm. But there have been plenty of encounters with these spirits that are on blogs and on Weird New Jersey and kind of all over the internet. Wow. And while a lot of the ghosts and deaths that are told about Clinton Road seem to be a mystery, there is one very well-known murder that took place on Clinton Road, and it is the story of the Iceman. This already sounds really spooky. Well, it's New Jersey, so um, when you think New Jersey, you think uh, the mafia. <laughs> the mafia. So in 1983, a cyclist was riding along Clinton Road when he spotted vultures circling a tree and decided to investigate and discovered a horrific scene. On the edge of the road, he found a garbage bag with a human head sticking out of it, and there were turkey vultures preying on it. So he called the cops, obviously. The cops determined that the body belonged to Daniel Deppner, and as the story goes, in 1982, Daniel Deppner partnered up with Richard Kuklinski and Gary Smith in a scam to steal cars, but Richard began to believe Daniel and Gary were inept and just decided to kill them both. So Richard poisoned Gary with a hamburger and Gary died in his hotel room and Richard stuffed his body under the hotel mattress. (gasps) And this is very disturbing, but his body was not found for multiple days and others had rented the room with his body under the mattress. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Oh, no. 
And then Richard went on to kill Daniel, who was his roommate at the time, and I guess he had dumped Daniel's body along Clinton Road. He was believed to have been killed by cyanide poisoning, and police were convinced that Kuklinski was behind the series of murders, and they had basically been, like, trying to get him for something for a really long time because he was involved in some very bad crimes, I think, over the years. Mm. And so they they put together a sting operation, and they arrested him and were able to put him to trial. And apparently, Kuklinski, like, confessed to a bunch of other murders in prison, but he died in prison in 2006. While Daniel's body was found on Clinton Road, and there are many unknown hauntings along the road, there's no way to know if Daniel's spirit's actually one of them, because he wasn't actually killed on the road. He was more just found there. But there are a lot more personal stories from people and their experiences on Clinton Road. So a guy named Brian R. said that there was a time when he and his friends were in the woods near Clinton Road when all of a sudden they saw two white figures about 100 yards away from them. The figures looked towards the group and then truly vanished into thin air. Others have heard strange chants coming from within the woods, which is one of the reasons people in the area say to never get out of your car while driving on Clinton Road. Mm. According to someone who shared their story with Weird New Jersey, he and six of his friends went to explore the wooded area where Cross Castle once stood. As they got up to the road, they parked their cars, got out, and started drinking some beer. About 30 minutes in, they start to hear chanting and chains rattling. And one of the girls they were with apparently started to go into a seizure. And they couldn't – they were trying to help her. They were trying to get help. Basically, the chanting is going on this entire time that their friend is having a seizure. And all of a sudden, the chanting stops and their friend becomes totally fine. She stops seizing. Totally fine. Has no recollection of what had happened. The chanting was gone. Yeah. I I mean, imagine experiencing it, how horrifying it is. Other people have said that they've become physically ill while driving down the road. And to add to this, we have another encounter from one of our listeners, Roger. Roger said, I'm not sure if you guys have covered Clinton Road yet, but if not, you definitely should look into it. It's in New Jersey and said to be the most haunted and strangest road in the country. My first weird experience on the road took place in 2011-ish. I went with a friend who had a mutual fascination with the paranormal, and we were hoping to experience something. Well, I did, at least. We ended up doing a little hiking in the woods around the road, because there are some actually really nice hiking trails back there. But anyway, it was getting late, and the sun was going down, and it was still kind of light. And in the blink of an eye, the sky darkened by, like, five shades, like someone put an Instagram filter on it. It was like I lost an hour of time in a second. Oh, Mind you, I didn't, because the time did not change. But it was like someone just dimmed the skylights really quick. And I've never felt crazier because my friend who was right next to me did not notice anything strange. I went on to have a smaller strange experience on the road just last year. My friend and I traveled to the road for our YouTube channel, which is called The Wayward Sons. So we went hiking on the same trails and we found a little cave. We went into the cave and I didn't notice anything strange until later when I was editing the video. What I noticed is that there are a few pieces of equipment malfunctioning in and near the cave that worked fine the rest of the trip. I know it's less exciting and probably shouldn't have ended with that one, but it is unique because I actually have it on video. We did a three-part series on our channel about Clinton Road that ended in the trip vlog. Anyway, again, love the podcast, and I'll see you on the other side, Roger. So who knows what Roger experienced? The light's changing. I mean, it's weird that 
his friend next to him didn't experience anything. Yeah, that's so bizarre. But it's one of those things that makes it so creepy, you know, yes. that like one person's reality gets yes. changed and that they they're suddenly like targeted. Yes. And it it kind of like gave me alien vibes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. did you see that? You actually, you sent me that video and it's also been all over the internet that just came out this week, but like, there's like a moving cloud. Yeah. And everyone's like, look, the Dementor. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's interesting, like that aliens are like mimicking things, or if you believe it's aliens. That Oh, and- we're talking about two different videos right now. There's been a lot of videos that have come oh, out. Oh, I haven't recently. seen the Dementor I have one. to send you the other one. But okay. yes, that one cloud. I'm talking about the that, cloud one. Yeah, the cloud that was like. Yeah. A ship was cloaking itself as yeah, like a cloud. Yeah, as a cloud. Yes. And after ro- reading Roger's experience, I also saw that there are a lot of UFO and alien suspected activity on Clinton mm-hmm. Road. Steve was driving on Clinton Road one night when he saw a UFO. He was driving around Dead Man's Curve and suddenly saw a huge flash in the sky and a triangular disc that was so big. It started hovering over the trees and remained there for five minutes. And then just disappeared. Another person on Weird New Jersey, Shawnee, said he too saw a UFO while on the road. It was low in the sky and looked like it could fit a small army inside of it. Within a blink of an eye, it was gone. Another person on Weird New Jersey submitted that he and a friend were driving along the road. And as they went further, they saw hundreds of lights on both sides of the woods. They were blue, red, and white lights. He and his friend were so scared that they tried to get out of there as fast as possible. But as they were driving down Clinton Road, the lights seemed to travel with them along the road in the woods until all of a sudden they vanished. And then on top of all of these things that are happening on Clinton Road, there are also unearthly animals and cryptids that people have encountered along the road. From hellhounds to the Jersey Devil and many other strange creatures that people don't know what they are. It's just a hotbed for the supernatural. And while they're are some beautiful hiking paths and the Clinton <laughs> Reservoir is very pretty. I would never I don't think I could go at night. I think I would love to stop by during the daytime. I mean, it's just it's such a big risk it feels like to go there because there the, the only good experience you could have is is a little boy giving you a quarter. <laughs> you know. Every other experience is horrifying. Yeah. Like, will I die yeah. on this road? And it's such a mystery that you don't know what you're going to – I mean, it would be great if you don't experience anything, but you could experience yeah. such a variety of things that it's just not worth it to me. And yeah, I agree with you. Just to end it as a little like if you want to learn more about Clinton Road or just like indulge in it a little bit more mm-hmm. because this is not reality. But Clinton Road is so famous for its hauntings that a movie was actually made about it and it stars Ice T. <laughs> and it came out in 2019. So if anyone's interested in watching, the description is – it actually sounds really good. I, I want to watch it. The description is, a widowed firefighter seeks closure after his wife goes missing on an actual haunted road in rural New Jersey, but must unlock the road's secret if he wants to get out alive. I, I'd watch that. Doesn't it sound good? Sure. Wait, what is it called? Clinton Road. Oh, that's easy. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. I think that's what it's called. Actually, I didn't write it down in here, but I'm pretty sure I didn't write it down because that's what it's called. Because <laughs> it's just called Clinton Road. Yeah. Wow. Clinton Road. Came out in 2019. Oh, my goodness. Sabrina, you're from a haunted-ass state. It's so wild how haunted New Jersey is. I feel like every other road is haunted, and then that just connects you to more hauntings. Yeah. It's because there's so many back roads and, like, a lot in the woods and – that I don't know. actually, so I went to New Jersey, as you know, when I went to visit Brian's family for the first mm-hmm. time and have since gone a few times. 
more times. That was my first time ever experiencing New Jersey. And I don't know why people shit on it. It is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think everybody thinks of New Jersey as being like the one section you drive on to get to like Newark Newark. or something. Yeah, Elizabeth. Which is Mm -hmm. ugly. Sorry to anyone who lives right there. But but that's like, you think of that. It's industrial. The the concrete industrial. And it is so wooded. There are like deer everywhere. It's It's beautiful. It's the garden state. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's truly, truly a beautiful And don't even get me started on the ocean. Like the – there are so many beaches and it's just – I mean, it's gorgeous. I'm biased, I think, but – No, but you don't have to be because I've – I've been and I've seen Thank you. people's pictures from their, their beach homes or vacations and like yeah. LBI and whatever. And it's, yeah, it's really, really pretty. It does make me sad. I think like when Jersey Shore came out and then I came to college, people were like, oh, you're from Jersey. And everyone expected me to have a wild accent. And I do, I have words that come out with accents, but everybody does. But everyone does. But I think I was taught to be ashamed of New Jersey and I'm so sad by that. And I've been, I, I think I also chose this because I just want, even though this is scary, I, I just I want to reclaim my yeah. my love for Jersey because as it you should is great. And also, I don't know why Jersey Shore led all of us to shit on Jersey because I this past weekend rewatched like three episodes <laughs> of Jersey Shore. Why and it is? Why did you do that? <laughs> well, I was I was skiing in Jackson, New Hampshire, and in between our our snowboarding and skiing and and like dinner and stuff, we we put it on <laughs> to relax. And I love is, that so good like way better than i remember it being it is yeah. one of the best tele maybe the best television show ever ever produced wow that's high praise it's amazing and it's really because snooki snooki's the star of the show so i don't know why we were all like oh my god this is horrible because it was just so clear that it was just this, like <laughs> group of people that that were put together for one purpose and that was to Create drama. Create drama and entertain us. And it was great. And they did. They did entertain us. And they us. surely did. And now I'm I'm definitely ready to to go back to New Jersey, but maybe not Clinton Road. Yeah. Maybe not. All right. So like I said before, this road is a is a road that's pretty well traveled. And this road has been on my radar ever since uh, encounters episode 105 when we read an email from Morgan. She emailed us about a time slip that happened while driving along Florida's I-4 dead zone. Oh no. And to add to my intrigue, my parents and my grandparents, they're currently in St. Augustine mm-hmm. and they're doing like a little road trip kind of sort of down the coast. And then my brother and I are meeting them in Clearwater, Florida this weekend. And that means that more likely than not, they're going to be traveling down this road. <laughs> to meet me so of course i text my mom oh my like, gosh oh my god are you gonna take i4 if anything weird happens like let me know and so i'll report back if she does but honestly after doing my research i texted her before i like actually fully finished my research and now i'm like i do not want them driving on this road oh my gosh <gasps> well tell them to only drive unless unless things happen during the daytime too but there's just so many accidents and everything oh no so, all oh. right so i4 it is a large interstate and it is a very dangerous one The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said that it averaged one death for each of its 132 miles between 2011 and 2015. So that's 130-some deaths in just four years on this road. Oh, geez. And that's That's pretty – Yeah, that's pretty, like, representative of of many years. That was just, like, an example of how often they happen. But there's some, like, 2,000 deaths on this highway. Total? Jeez. Yeah. 
So it, it sounds like a lot, and that's because it is a lot. It is one of the deadliest highways in America. And when I say one of the deadliest highways in America, I don't mean like, oh, it was on a list and it was ranked, you know, 38. No, it is almost always ranked number one. Whoa. As most, most deadly. Yeah. So I will never drive on that road. You, I, I wish people wouldn't. And the problem is, it's it's it, it like Orlando's right there too, and so people go to Disney and and they take. Wait, it. did we drive that when we were in? Oh, Florida. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me look. Um, please pause. We must have. Um, you know what? I actually think we avoided it because <gasps> I don't think you take yes. it. Or at least if we did, we were on it for such a short period of time. Okay, because I'm not sure you take it from the airport, but some a local Floridian can tell me that we're wrong. Oh. Oh, no. I think we, like, intersected it. I think we went across it, but not okay. on it. We See, survived I-5. This is one of those things. Like, you don't know something's haunted until you hear it on the podcast, and you're like, oh, my God, I was on that. I am glad we didn't know when we were there. Yeah, that would have been really scary. Yeah. Okay. So while this whole interstate is deadly, the whole road isn't haunted. There's just one section of this interstate in Sanford just before the St. John's River Bridge that is known as the dead zone. And this this area, by the way, has already seen a lot of death. I mean, I feel like a lot of America has, um, but specifically in Florida, the Mayaka and Hohoro people they were the native people of this area, and they lived peacefully in central Florida for over 12,000 years. And then the Europeans came over, mm. and they brought disease, which wiped out many. And then they started wars that killed many more. And it's really super sad. And the Mayaka people also tried really hard to avoid the Spanish conquistadors and all of these people coming over, these pioneers coming and settling and murdering them. And they just really wanted to to live peacefully, but they couldn't escape. So they tried to kind of like retreat into the the woods and whatnot, but it, di it didn't quite work. Mm -hmm. And now we're left not really knowing much about them. So the Mayaka people, they spoke a different language than the neighboring tribes. So unfortunately, there's not a ton of information found, at least from, from my quick searches on the internet. There's not a ton of info found aside from like what we know from archaeology and notes from the European settlers. So, I mean, this otherwise peaceful and bountiful area is now stained with murder from oh, the get-go. So yes. And then in 1841, yellow fever made its way to Florida, and it did damage. Town populations would go from like a few thousand to just a few hundred. So what? many people died. Yes. It is wild. It was Jeez. truly wiping people out. And people were fleeing. People were dying. It was, it was awful. And it happened for a long time. It's not just like, I mean – when I think of like the Spanish flu or whatever, it's like the two years that were really intense and then you know, right. a few years after that. But like 40 years later, people are still dying from, from yellow fever. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So, for example, 40 years after the very first case, it was still keeping people in this very well-documented epidemic. And it was just awful, taking the lives of so many people, the children, elderly, even wiping out entire families. In 1887, one such family was wiped out. It was a family of four, and they died in Sanford, Florida. And at the time, Sanford was a small Roman Catholic colony called St. Joseph's. And the colony was created in, the in well, the 70s, but like the 1870s, not the 1970s. It was created in the 1870s after this real estate mogul, Henry Sanford. He marketed this area to all the immigrants and, you know, potential citrus farmers. And he was like, oh, my gosh, this land is great. 
it's so bountiful. Like you're going to have the best time of your life. You're going to be rich and comfortable and happy here. And so he sold it to this group of German immigrants who then founded the St. Joseph's Colony. But these settlers weren't met with the promises that this real estate tycoon, this wonderful salesman, had promised them. And instead, they were met with difficult conditions. There was a historic freeze that killed all the citrus. So like there goes half the food and and Jeez. And there's the disease. And so in this rush to bury this family's body, this family of four that dies in this colony, the people, they had already previously lost the colony priest. And so they basically had no other option than to just bury this family of four without a proper ceremony, without giving them last rites. Right. Oh. And and so yeah, they didn't they didn't die in the way or, or they weren't buried in the way that that they that these they would have liked yeah would have liked and I think what they had expected and then the rest of the colony they didn't really last much longer either they essentially those of them that that lived abandoned the land soon after which then because it was abandoned it defaulted to the township and then for many years this family of fours graves just sat there undisturbed marked in the land and then the land is purchased by this man named Albert Hawkins and he finds the four graves he's a he's a farmer and he's he's out on his property and he stumbles across these four graves of this family and the graves are marked by four rotting crosses and so he was like okay well surely i should not disturb these graves and so he did the the best that he could to do all of the work he needed to do on his land avoiding the graves trying to leave them trying not to disturb them and some people are like, oh, well, obviously it worked out for him. He didn't disturb them. But then other people are like, well, his house did burn down not too long after. So maybe he did upset them a little bit. Mm. But this man, he grows older. He dies. And his wife is left with the home and the land. Then Walt Disney comes a knocking. And he's like, hey, pretty lady, can I bring new life into these parts by you selling me this land? It's going to be magical. Sell me the land so I can build a road to Disney World. And so in 1959, she sells the land. She's like, okay, fine. And she gives it to him and so that it could become Interstate 4, I-4. So now a century after this German pioneer family passes away and is buried there, their resting place is now disturbed because unlike the other roads and crews and planners who weaved roads around these graves in the past, the I-4 project decided, F it, let's just slap this interstate right on top of them. Wait, they don't even dig them up? No, no. It was literally such a conscious decision. They said that basically what I read was the land surveyors said that they were, that the graves were so old and it was just a few bones. So it was more beneficial for construction and for the time constraints on the project to just ignore the graves and pave them over. That is so disrespectful. Yes. Yep. Especially, like, it's one thing if you don't know that they're there, even that's, like, horrible and terrible. But, like, to acknowledge the existence and just say, I don't care. Yeah, right. It's just like, oh, well, it's just it's just a few old bones. Ugh, Whatever. I don't so know sad. them, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, super sad. And for for anyone who's going to Florida or knows Florida or is a Floridian out there, the graves, if you don't know, are said to be located under one of the eastbound lanes just before the south end of the St. John's River Bridge. So if you're looking or or if you want to kind of know where you are, that's where it is. Wow. So it's pretty sad. Like this family wasn't moved. Their graves were not respected. And it's sad that they didn't get the proper burial for their religion. Just a series of unfortunate events that, you know, 
angered the spirits and caused unrest in this section of the road. And so in 1960, Hurricane Donna went over Florida and over the burial site. This was just a year after after Walt Disney got the land sold to him. And this is right when construction of I-4 had begun. So the workers had literally just dumped fill dirt on top of the graves. And then this hurricane happens. And people said it happened like to the day. It came and it went through that exact path over the graves. And Hurricane Donna got worse. It killed many people. It caused so much damage. And this is the moment that locals believe that the curse was born. So essentially, as soon as it was – the graves were disrupted from the interstate, a curse began. Interesting. So like – because they technically were already disrupted, but this is now like they were – Yeah. Well, I mean, they weren't truly disrupted before. Like the farmer did his best to avoid the graves. They were otherwise like left there with their same markers on his property until he passed and his wife sold the land oh, to Walt whoa. Disney. I thought the, the road had already been poured on top of it. Oh, no. Sorry. I'm going back to the beginning. Gotcha. We're, gotcha. We're starting – there were other roads that were built around the area, but they always avoided these This is now right on top. Yeah. Yes. And now this is right on top. And so, like I said, the the whole interstate is dangerous and has seen seen accidents and the whole interstate is a place that I'm probably going to try to avoid. But (laughs) this particular stretch, the dead zone, is only a quarter of a mile long. It is so tiny. Oh. But it causes the most amount of injuries and fatalities. And on opening day of I-4, when it when it first let cars onto the road, That's such a weird th- thing to think of. Yeah. Opening like cut, day. Cut the ribbon. <laughs> Do you think they cut the ribbon? The mayor comes. Yeah. The big scissors. Drive, wow. cars, drive. But accidents began immediately. And the very first day, a shrimp truck jackknifed and killed the driver. So on some that, believe in that stretch. In that stretch. The, honestly, the majority of the fatalities and the accidents that happen on I-4 are in this quarter mile stretch. A huge Yikes. chunk of them. That's why it's so dangerous. Whoa. The I-4, if you took away this little stretch, likely would not be on the list of deadliest highways. That's so weird. Yeah. There's a lot happening here. And some people are like, okay, well, it's the spirits that are causing the people to crash. But then other people are like, ah, I don't think it's like intentional. Some people think that there's just like a lot of spirit energy that's so intense in this area that it's messing with electronics. It's forcing cars to break down, GPS system malfunction, cell phones to lose reception, things that are like distracting people or like otherwise influencing the mechanics of the car. So now not only are there crashes and electronic malfunctions, but the weather that moves through this stretch is equally disastrous and many feel that it's connected to the graves. So of course there was Hurricane Donna that everyone was like, oh my gosh, they disrupted the graves. This is the start of the curse. But then in 2004, construction was once again going on right over the graves. The land disrupted. Mm. And then Hurricane Charlie came and moved the exact same path over the stretch of road as Hurricane Donna. And they even nicknamed the exact same stretch. Yes. They nicknamed the hurricane the I-4 hurricane. Hurricane Charlie was the I-4 so hurricane. The the hurricane like went over the stretch where the bar- where the where the bodies are buried. Yes, that tiny like they're quarter, basically quarter like mile stretch. Get rid of this road right here. Yeah, it's like a little pinpoint on a map. Oh my gosh. And somehow all the hurricanes are like hitting over it as soon as the it's it's basically like when the grave is being disrupted. Whoa. It causes some sort of natural disaster. That's what people that's what people feel. Like it, it's correlated. And there's I mean, even with tornadoes, this many like, instances. 
Yeah. 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 It's pretty wild. And so this gravesite is referred to as the field of the dead. And locals are warned not to disrupt the land and not to cause any more accidents or hurricanes or tornadoes or anything. And so some say that the weather incidents are coincidence and others think that it's connected. But while some of these things might be coincidence and some not, you cannot ignore the strange apparitions that appear on oh. this quarter mile stretch of road. Yes, there are ghosts, not just curses. So people have seen orbs floating across the highway. There have been phantom cars that suddenly just disappear into thin air. There have been people walking along the road in 1800s, like colonial pioneer clothing. And people, many people have even reported seeing a white horse with a carriage that used to be used for funeral processions in the 1800s. Interesting. Which think about how many deaths there were back then. Right. I'm sure yeah, that's like, in that area. Yeah. That feels like a residual haunting, you know? Yeah. Just like this stained image of, of your loved one and your neighbor and your friend just being carted off. Jeez. Yeah. Horrible. So this is a big interstate. A lot of trucks travel this route. It goes from East Florida to, to West and hits some major cities. So there's a lot of truckers. And these long haul truckers have often encountered spirits on this stretch or weird things that happen. I mean, the things that truckers have experienced just in general. So much. They see so much of life. So, so much there's of the probably world. so many stories. Yeah. Yeah. Really scary too. The things that that's, that's like a Reddit thread. I can go do a deep dive deep. in. Deep dive, yes. yeah. Trucker stories, especially when they're at like truck stops, like sleeping overnight, the things that they see. Yeah. Experience, it is so scary. Yeah. And they're driving Dangerous. for so many hours and like so late in the night. Yeah. 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 They probably have made friends with aliens by now. <laughs> but the truckers report that on their CB radios, the radios will stop working. They will turn to static. And then sometimes these these radios like basically act as a spirit box. They're like oh, catching my EVPs. gosh. They have said – one person said that they they heard their radio ask, who's there? And then another person heard, why? And then there, there are also children laughing, growling, all of these horrible sounds that come over this, like, static radio. Oh, presumably my from gosh. Yeah. So this place is super haunted. And while some people feel that part of the story is, is just legend – Author Charlie Carlson, who is a descendant of the family who owned this land, and he actually, I believe, is responsible for coining it, the dead zone. I think he get, he gave oh. it that that term. But he's a descendant from people who who owned that land, and he wrote in his book, "A culture without legends and mysteries is not a culture. There's history embedded in this legend." It works in our favor if we're interested in preserving history. So he thinks it, it's great to retell it because it's it's a way to remember what happened here. Remember what happened to these people and, and this family and the colony that was there and the native people that were on the land before then. So he's all for the haunted legends, though I'm not sure he's ever encountered anything himself. But well, so people – there's for he's an ancestor, so he doesn't need to – there's no reason for them to haunt him. Well, I think he's an ancestor – I think he's an ancestor of the guy who was the farmer who avoided the graves, whose wife sold to Walt Disney. I think oh, that's the connection. Okay. But he's still he's, – he's basically related to someone who respected the dead Respect, there. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. Me, oh, maybe? I wonder if that's like how we know who gets haunted or experiences something there. It's like, is it a familial line? Is it the <gasps> descendants, basically, you know? Oh, interesting. Like, well, you would think that they later. wouldn't, you would think they wouldn't hurt their descendants. 
But I'm thinking like the descendants of those that hurt them. Oh, oh, oh. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's, that's dark. It's a dark. It is too. dark. Yeah, never mind. Okay, <laughs> moving on. All right. Well, anyway, that's it. So, you know, people continue to tell this this story of this family and their unmarked graves and pray that these angered spirits in the curse of Florida's I-4 dead zone does not find them. And so I pray that it does not find my family when they I travel too. to Florida, Clearwater, wow. Florida, when I meet them. That's so I, – I feel so sad for all these people who lost their lives in the past and also present if it's like that deadly of a stretch of road. Yeah. It does make me wonder. It's like things like that. It's like truly would just building the road or like moving the road. I mean, granted, I know this is probably so expensive, but moving the road just a couple feet to the left or to the right, like would that make a difference? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, has has the damage damage already been done? Right. Because that's so extreme. And actually, so I I left out this one part, but there was intent to move the graves. So they had initially had said that they were going to like give a proper burial, move the graves before the – the interstate was put in. But then due to time constraints, and I think just like them generally not caring anymore, they decided not, not to. So there was Should a we moment start a petition? where this may have never happened. <laughs> Should we start a petition to move the graves now? I mean, yeah. I feel like I feel like this is a petition for these people and this is a petition for like the thousands and thousands of other yeah. graves that have been disrupted or not given proper burials it's like it's like when we talk about the asylums and all of these people who were struggling yeah. with like mental illnesses and physical disabilities and they're just unmarked graves murdered and given yeah, yeah. A, like a, a white pebble as like a marker. number if that yeah yes oh it makes me so sad it, it really is it is sad it's sad because i want people to be remembered and i want people to have the burials that they want that like, they want. I don't care what happens right. to me. You can feed me to the sharks, but I want other people to have the respect that they right. that they're asking for. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> well, we're gonna avoid that road, or we're gonna avoid both of these roads. I'm never gonna drive again. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> we're only gonna teleport from now. On. <laughs> we're only uh, riding champ. I hope that happens in our lifetime. Teleportation or riding yeah, champ? Wouldn't that be great? Or both. Both. <laughs> both. Are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, a lot has happened in the last hundred years. So I imagine a lot will happen in the next hundred years because in my life, I'm living to be 128 years old, apparently. Okay. Listener stories. And once again, more of our listeners have had encounters on Clinton Road. So not only did I include some in the episode, I'm also doing a listener story at the end about Clinton Road. Look at you. It's like a you pick two moment. I know. You pick three, really. You pick three. Okay. I like so th- it. You found a way to, to – it's not cheating because we get to do it, do what we want, but to incorporate three instead of one. I know. All of our listeners. Hey, it's not my fault that so many people have gone to Clinton Road. <laughs> it's their fault, obviously. Okay. This is from our listener, Cece, and – Basically, Cece writes in the beginning that she wasn't sure if it was Shades of Death Road or Clinton Road, both which are in New Jersey. And Shades of Death Road I covered many moons ago on another road episode. But as she starts going through the story, she remembers that it was definitely Clinton Road. So that's just a little precursor. I love that that she remembers as she's writing. Like, we get taken on the journey. Yeah, yeah. It's not like she remembered and then restarted the email. Yes. It was during, and there were no edits. <laughs> yes, which also makes me realize that, like, Cece probably has gone to both enough times where the two have kind of blended together. Yeah, or had experiences on both. Yeah. Okay. So, Cece writes, 
Hello, beautiful ladies and ghosts. Cece here. I wanted to tell you beautiful souls that I grew up in Hackettstown, New Jersey, which is right next to Alamochi, by the way. I played soccer at the elementary school for years as a kid, and I spent many late nights riding down that road with friends ghost hunting. I haven't even finished the episode yet because I was so excited when I heard Shades of Death. I had to tell y'all how creepy it is. So I used to adventure with friends a lot late night, and what I'm about to share happened on Clinton Road. It is freaky. We always got out of the car to explore, and one night, something attached itself to my friend, and she said the whole way back to Hackettstown, she could feel something on her leg, like a child holding on to the leg of a parent. We pulled over at the local Target where the creek runs behind it, and if memory serves, this was many moons ago. She sat outside with her friend and willed the spirit to detach itself from her. Another incident that I was not there for, it was the same group of people were out exploring. They had two cars with them, and my friend had squatted behind the car to pee while others explored. I believe this was by the bridge where if you throw a coin, it will be thrown back at you, which is Ghost Mm. Boy Bridge. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she's doing her business when all of a sudden the car went into reverse and began slowly rolling backwards toward her. Someone in the group acted fast and threw it back in park just in time. Now, this next experience happened on Shades of Death. There is a bridge back there somewhere closer to the Alamucci side. A local legend has it that a woman jumped from the bridge to her death. It isn't very high, so who knows if this actually happened or not. But if you turn off your car and lights under the bridge and honk three times, when you go to leave, she will land on your car. When you go to check it out, it's like she was never there and it never happened. I'm too much of a baby or just too much of a believer to ever have tried that one. I have seen the red orb you mentioned in the episode and I am still alive. So just throwing that out there. It was also by accident and I hadn't heard that legend. And now I'm pretty stoked I saw it and I'm here to tell the tale. (laughs) I saw it in a little area off of Shades and the road forks and there is a tree in the middle. The roads kind of make this triangle shape. And without knowing much about the history of this place, the spot gave me the freaking chills. In high school, we always heard of accidents on the road and would smoke blunts at Ghost Lake. Outside of it being haunted and creepy, it is a very beautiful area, and I do recommend checking it out during the day, of course. I would also bring sage because you can never be too careful. You ladies crushed it again this week. I cannot tell you how much I love your podcast. Keep it creepy as fuck. Love you all, even though I don't know you. I'm sure I will send in more stories over time. (laughs) Until then, stay safe, watch the crazies, and keep living your best lives. Sincerely, all the love and light, Cece. Dang, this is a lot of experiences. Two for one, three for one, however many in one. So many. I keep thinking about the very first one where she said that it was like a child holding on to the leg of a parent, like her friend could feel this kid on her leg that they basically had to pull over and like will it to detach yeah to leave them which is so it's so creepy to have this like prolonged feeling you know it's not just like a tug or like a hand for a few moments it continued to hold on yeah and although it's like related to a child holding on to the leg like it is super unsettling something like leeching onto you for that long yeah It does make me feel bad too because now I'm going to try to put like a sad positive spin on it where I'm thinking like the child just wanted to escape and felt comfortable with them and was like, take me home. Like, please, I don't want to be here anymore. If it was a kid. (sighs) Demon. (laughs) Demon child. Oh, and then the Clinton Road, the car turning into reverse on its own, almost (laughs) crushing their friend is terrifying. Thank goodness they were able to like stop it real quick. Like, that's 2,000 pounds of machinery just 
coming for you. Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely When you're going to the bathroom. Disturbing. And also it's so different from what – like it doesn't sound like it's the ghost boy who's on the bridge, you know? Like the ghost boy is usually throwing coins off or helping protect people from cars, not trying to get cars to hit people. Right. I just – I just feel like if I had experienced that, I would have I would have a really hard time being in a car again or being around cars. Like I, I would have just I wouldn't be able to like trust that the car is how I left it or that a car is just going to like stay put. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess know. just avoid that road, right? But yeah. Still. I don't know. Scary. Very scary. Well, uh, we will not be going there. Yeah, more to reason. Either not. of those yeah. roads. No, thank you. Alrighty. This is from Pixie. It's called The Phantom Rider. It's scary. She, I'm already scared. She, I know. She writes, so I have so many ghost stories to tell you, but this one involves me, my cousin, and her fiance. I'd known about an abandoned haunted house that was pretty deep in the country with a few houses scattered around it. And my friends and I had explored it and I had caught some class A EVPs on it. My cousin had the same obsession when it comes to the paranormal, so we decided to go there. Her fiancé had tagged along for the ride, not really believing in the paranormal, but just wanting to do something fun. So on the way to the abandoned house, I filled them in again about everything that I had experienced from the last time that I was there. After about a 15-minute drive, we pulled up to the house, and I grabbed my voice recorder, and I started to record trying to catch EVPs. After about 20 minutes or so, we decided to leave because, well, there just wasn't anything really happening. And there was stuff scattered around the rooms and we had found some old records and I decided to take the ones that were still intact with me. So we had made our way to the car and me and my cousin got in the front seat and her fiance opened the door to get into the back seat, but told us that he had to pee and that he would be right back. And he left the back door to the car open. Within maybe 15 seconds, he came back in the car and shut the door. And me and my cousin commented about how quickly he had gone and went to pee. I asked them both how they liked the house and my cousin said it was cool. And I glanced back and her fiance was just staying quietly and looking ahead. When we got further down the road, the house came to a T. We could only go straight or take a right turn. My cousin asked which way we should go and her fiance pointed to the left, which was a field. Both me and my cousin had seen him pointing and my cousin had watched him point when she glanced in the rear view mirror. So I told her to turn right because we weren't about to go driving through a field. So on the way back to the house, I was listening to the recorder and I didn't hear any EVPs. And me and my cousin pretty much just talked the whole way back because her fiance was being really quiet and didn't speak at all during the ride home. Oh, and no, when we pulled, wait. <gasps> yep. Oh, when no. Pulled, now I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> it just hit me. <laughs> no. I know. It's so scary. <laughs> when we pulled up to my apartment, I turned around to ask him if he had fun, and he wasn't in the backseat anymore. I was in shock. I told my cousin that her fiancé wasn't in the backseat anymore, and she was confused. She turned to look in the backseat and asked where he'd went, and I thought I was going crazy for a second, and I asked her if she had seen him in the backseat too, and she told me that she did, and she had seen him point from the rearview mirror to turn left into the field, and she also said that she kept glancing at him in the rearview mirror. She then jumps out of the car, she opened the back door, and then she looked under her seat searching for him, which we both laugh about that part now. But, like, I would do that too. Right. You're trying to, like, like, rule out all I'm the real, so like, confused. yeah. Right. <laughs> it finally dawned on us that it wasn't him. It was a ghost that took his form and rode along in the back seat for the entire ride. Nope. It also meant that her boyfriend was still at the abandoned house. 
So she hopped back in the car and sped all the way back towards the house. We went over the entire scenario on the way back and I told her that he probably would think that we left him on purpose. And I was correct. (laughs) Poor guy. We saw her fiance walking down the road about a mile away from the house. She pulled the car over to get him to come in and he refused to at first because he was highly upset and thought that we'd only brought him to that house to leave him stranded. Oh, so mean. So mean. After a minute or two of explaining to him what had happened, he finally hopped in the car and he told us that he never shut the car door and that he'd seen us drive away. He said he ran into the road right in front of the car and had to jump out of the way because she never stopped. We told him we did not see him run in front of the car, that he was in the back seat the entire time. And he watched us continue driving. And after a few minutes, he went inside the house and sat on the broken sofa waiting for us to, you know, quit joking. That's so sad. This is so sad. Thank God. And scary. Well, I'm just happy he didn't like really believe in this stuff going into it because. Yeah, thank goodness. And so while he was waiting. Oh, well, here it gets worse. Oh, no. Oh, no. He. He saw a figure standing and staring at him through the window of the house. It scared him, so he decided to walk back to my house, and that's why he was walking on the road when we found him. When we made it back to my house, I remembered about the records that I took, and I decided the best thing to do was to throw them away in the outside trash can and not bring them into my house. Maybe the ghost tagged along with us due to me taking those records, and I definitely didn't want to bring it back into my already haunted home. So our uneventful night had turned into an eventful one after all. As for the house, I'm not sure if they've torn it down. If no one has, I'm pretty sure there's no way in except through a window. And years ago when I drove by it, a tree was growing between the steps on the front door. Maybe one day I'll drive by it to see if it still stands there. But that's debatable. (laughs) I wouldn't want a phantom rider in the backseat of my car from Pixie. Oh my gosh. That's Isn't horrifying. This incredible, absolutely horrifying and terrifying for, for all parties involved. For Pixie and her cousin, for her cousin's fiance, it just is. Imagine being left behind. That is worse than going to a haunted house. Like just being abandoned. Yeah, and thinking your friends are leaving you as a joke, and then they don't come back, and you're sitting there, and someone stares at you like a, a figure, and you're in an abandoned uh. house. Oh, my God. I would never talk to anyone again. I'd be so mad at them. I don't even know which one's worse because then also thinking that someone's in your back seat and they try to lead you into a creepy-ass field and then to realize that they're not there. What was he going to do if they had turned into the field? And the fact that that her cousin, whose fiancé it was or who she she thought was her fiancé in the back seat – didn't just look back once to be like, oh, you're going to into the field. She kept glancing at him. Oh, my God. And also, it's interesting that – so he watched the car drive away. Like he watched it all happen. But it doesn't seem like he saw anyone get into the car or the, the door right. close. So he didn't see this, like, projection of himself. But then they also didn't see the real him. They only saw the projection yeah. of him. Oh. Because when he ran in front of the car, he was made basically invisible and they almost ran him over. That's so terrifying. So, so it was horrifying. Like, it was almost like, yeah, it was – They everyone had a different view. Like he, he couldn't see oh, – you know what I'm saying, but it's it's like it's, it's almost terrifying. like how do you avoid how do they there's it feels like there's no way to avoid this like right. don't pee at a haunted house or don't leave a back door open for a, a miscellaneous ghost to be able to possibly hitch a ride with you I don't know well she thought maybe it was because she took the records so yeah that could be but the like ghost completely mimicking the fiance 
it has bad vibes for me. Bad right. juju. And, and to be, to not speak and just to like point long bony finger to the field girls. And like not really talking and just sitting there and lurking and being yes. weird. And just oh. sitting completely still because it sounds, from what Pixie was describing, it sounds like when she looked back, the the spirit was just like sitting there completely still looking forward, like frozen in place almost, except oh for the gosh. finger point. So creepy. I despise it with a burning passion. And also like the fact that it was 15 seconds between him going to pee and that happening. It's like, I feel like the spirit was right around the corner, like waiting oh. for an opportunity. Oh my gosh. So creepy. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, that's creepy about this is that it's not like a phantom rider that just hopped in the car with the three of them. It waited for one of them to be separated to take on the the appearance of that person. It was like trying to replace him. Yeah, I hate it. Oh, it's it's there's bad intentions there. Right. Exactly. Because if, if there weren't bad intentions, then why do that? Why not just freaking get in the car and be like, sorry, I'm a ghost. You can't do anything about it. I'm riding. Nope. I do want to see a picture of these houses though. So Pixie, if you do happen to drive by or maybe like find it on a Google map and yeah, send it to us. we will force you to drive by, but we will force but you to if send you, us a Google image yeah. photo. If you happen to drive by. If you happen to, yes. Although I don't blame Pixie if you never want to ever go near that place again. I don't blame you. I have a new rule. Everyone must wear GoPros on their body at all times. At all times. Because I want to see this happen live. Oh, my gosh. Even while Not you're to sleeping. Me, but to you others. You have to wear it. <laughs> no. Actually, that's the worst. Wear, like, the head ones. Think of how much you see. What I'd never be able to sleep again if I were reviewing my sleep footage. I'll review it for you. We review each other's. That way you don't have to. Everyone has to buddy up. We review someone else's. No, no, no. This is about. That's how you spend the first hour of every day is reviewing your buddy's <laughs> sleep sleep footage. Yeah, and then you just see like a, a head just kind of peek over for a minute, just like glowing eyes from the closet. Yeah. No, 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 no. Wow. Okay. Well. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. I'm I scared. hope no one's driving while they listen to this episode or sleeping or doing anything for that matter because it's scary. <laughs> But if scary things have happened to you or if nice things that involve the paranormal, cryptids, the strange and unusual, the macabre, the morbid, we're into it. We so love please it. email us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. Whoa. <laughs> Brain fart. There are also many other ways to support us. You can rate and review us on iTunes. You can join us on Patreon, become a Patreon donor. You can follow us on social media like TikTok, Instagram. We don't really Twitter, but we have a great Facebook group. All the fun, great stuff. You can also join our pyramid scheme and tell your friends about our podcast. And then they'll tell their friends about the podcast. And then they'll tell their friends. And then next thing you know, we've taken over the world. World domination is our goal. <laughs> that's that's the goal of two girls, one ghost. Oh, and gosh. We also have to say thank you to all of you guys for supporting us and especially to our Patreon donors. We're also really grateful to Aiden Manning and the entire team at Upfire Digital. Thank you for editing our podcast. We are so grateful for all of the support all around. It's just a big community that we just want to give you all hugs. Virtual. Virtual hugs. Ghost hugs. Ghost hugs. And we will see you on the other side. Very smooth.